Welcome to the Jesus Movement Podcast, presented by Awaken the Dawn. We host conversations so you can hear stories from across the movement, receive fresh biblical insights, and gain practical tools to experience more of Jesus's presence in your life, ministry, and city, because we believe Jesus changes everything. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the podcast. My name is Matthew Lilly. I'll be hosting today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've got two special guests and friends with me today, Alan Hood and Jeremy Duggins. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, thank you. Jeremy, I'm so glad to see you. Brother, I just wish <laughs> I was there to hug you right now. Oh, man. Well, it's <laughs> so, good, you. so good to see you, Alan. You're coming here, I think, next month. So I will get to hug you and uh, I'll get to see you. So, But anyways, it is so good to see you. Matthew, thank you so much for having yes, us on the Matthew. podcast. It's our honor and we're excited to spend some time with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Jeremy, I want to introduce you first and then I'll let you introduce Alan. But Jeremy Duggins is the director of the Awaken the Dawn base in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And he is the founder of the Revive School there, which is one of the main components of the ATD base. He's an amazing leader and just faithful and full of integrity. And Jeremy, I know that you had the opportunity of having Alan come to the base and live there for six months or so, I think it was, and be a part of the launch of the Revive School, the full-time school. And so that's why I thought, hey, let's have Jeremy come in. Alan, you guys are buddies. And that'll make it a lot more fun. So, Jeremy, thanks for being on, man. Oh, man, it is my pleasure, Matthew. Thank you. And uh, yes, it was God's gift to us to have Alan come spend six months with us actually here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. When David told me that Alan was considering coming, I couldn't believe it. But I had actually been praying for a long time that God would send fathers to revive, especially in that that launching phase. You know, we just really... Um, one of the generations to come together. And so I couldn't believe it, but Alan said, hey, I feel like God's calling me to the DC region um, and I'm going to come throw in with you guys and we're going to, I'm going to help launch Revive School and did some things at David's 10. And so anyways, during Alan's time at Revive, I, I feel like I really got to know him, you know, and you know, there's so much I could say about Alan there. He's He's probably one of the greatest teachers, Bible teachers alive. I mean, just so incredible. Every every time he teaches at Revive or teaches our staff, it's like jaws on the ground. And he's such an amazing leader, you know. He's an amazing Bible teacher, amazing leader. But, you know, I think the the best thing I could say about Alan is I got to spend time with him. You know, we sometimes go fishing for our meetings, you know. We'd hang out, we'd go walking through the woods, whatever, but... One thing I would say about Alan is the more time I spent with Alan, the more time I wanted to spend with Jesus, the more time I wanted to pray, the more time I wanted to read the word. There's a grace on his life, unlike anything I've ever experienced before, where being with him made me want to love Jesus more and be in God's presence more. And so that's my favorite thing about Alan. But I also wanted to just say this, and then I'm going to hand it off to Alan. But, you know, when Alan first got here, I remember... He came over uh, my house. We were doing a staff party or something, and the Lord just dropped in my spirit the verse in 1 Corinthians. I think it's verse 415, and it says, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. And that verse Mm -hmm. dropped in my spirit before I even knew Alan. And after spending six months with him and him being involved in Revive and getting to spend time with him, of all the things Alan does, amazing Bible teacher, loves the word, knows Jesus. He's got such a father's heart. And I just think that's one of the things that is so needed right now in this generation is this spirit of Elijah. This, you know, we're looking at Gen Z and Gen Alpha and the next generation. And I just think um, Alan carries such a father's heart that is so needed right now. And so, Alan, First of all, thank you so much for the time you've spent and invested in us. And I just wanted to kind of that be the first topic of conversation 
you know, I even heard, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think you were down here in DC with your sons doing ministry. Yeah. And so, uh, and that just made my heart explode with joy because I think that's such a needed thing right now is that spirit of Elijah. You know, you could really do almost anything you wanted to do. And yet I hear you say all the time, I want to see my son's dreams come true. I want to, I want to do this together. Could you, Alan, just speak into what's actually needed between the generations right now? As, as a father, what do you see happening right now between the generations? Yeah, that's a great question. First, Jeremy, you can't say all that good stuff and me just go into a topic. You are all those <laughs> things and more that you said about me. You are a father extraordinaire. Everyone who meets you knows that. You carry a spirit of excellence. You're an amazing teacher, and yet you open your word and sit before him and pray every morning. And whether you're walking around that lake or in the prayer room contending for the breakthrough, it's your heart before his bonfire of love, and it just oozes out of you to everyone who's around you. You're an amazing leader, and you're an amazing, extraordinary father, and you're just one who walks with God, you know, and that's really true about the whole ATD team. They're those who walk with God. I mean, you could say the same thing about Matthew. You could say the same thing about David and the various ones. You are authentic because you really walk with God. You're not trying to build a ministry. You're trying to exalt him and be faithful to him and see the next generation know the one whom you love. And so anyway, uh, but back to your question, you know, my sons, when I was in seminary and filled with vision, for my life, you know, beginning to go, God, what do you want to do? And what would you let me do? And how far would you let me go? How abandoned would you let me be? Is it missions? Is it church planting? Is it, you know, 24-7 prayer and the spirit of the tabernacle of David with IHOP for 20 years? What is it that you would let me do? And I'll never forget it as I was uh, kneeling down uh, by my couch in our little duplex there at seminary. The Lord spoke to me profoundly that marked my life and changed it forever. He said, what if I decide to do what I put in your heart through your sons? Is that okay with you? And I wish I could say I went, yes, but that (laughs) threw me off because, you know, when you're in your mid-20s, you're ready to take the world for yourself. I'd only had one young son at the time, but he said sons. And I would end up having three sons. And it took me about 30 minutes of wrestling in prayer. And finally, I said, yes, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. And so I took that very serious. My sons were not expendable for ministry. I can remember when political figures would come to IHOP. I remember when Sarah Palin came to IHOP. And Mike called me and said, hey, get over here. She wants to meet with us. And I said, I'm sorry, it's a Saturday. That's YMCA soccer day for my sons, you know, bless the vice presidential candidate, but I'm, I'm staying with them. So they were never expendable to me for ministry. In fact, they were my, they weren't just my number one ministry, but they were, the goal was to be friends of Jesus with them. You know, I, I can remember introducing Samuel on stage at a massive church of 50,000 in Korea. And it made him a little upset. But I said, uh, in fact, I I think I didn't get asked to come back there because I had Samuel at 11 pray for me. And then I introduced him not as my son, but as my brother in Christ. And I did it on purpose because the goal is not that he would remain my son. The goal is, is that he become my brother in the cause of Christ. Because if he remains my son, I might not receive his counsel. But if he becomes my brother, now, (laughs) now he's in the foxhole with me. Now my life is as dependent on him as it is upon me. And I think sometimes we don't make that shift. We don't make two shifts. We don't make the shift to where we identify that they are our sons and daughters. And we don't lay down our lives for them. But there comes a time where your sons are no longer just your sons. They're your brothers. They're your marvelous comrades. Your deliverance very well may be in their mouth. And so if we don't let them 
grow up and then provoke us and go with us. Because at the end of the day, I want them cheek to cheek with me. You know, we do that naturally in marriage. You know, if you just stare at each other, you're going to get bored eventually and see each other's flaws. But we need to run cheek to cheek after Jesus with our wives. Well, we do that with our wives, but with our sons, not so much. You know, we, we're content to think about just succession. I'm not thinking about succession. In fact, if you think that way, a lot of times it's just celebrity Christianity and then turn over celebrity Christianity to the next generation. No, I don't want succession. I want partnership. I want my boys to be stronger than I am in the grace of God, and I want to be running hard after them. In fact, I'm going to plant a church down here. I'm not planning it until Jonathan moves here in December. I'm going to hold Friday night gatherings until he gets his little, you know, rump down here because (laughs) I want to run with him setting the culture, not him inheriting something from me. He's already got the inheritance from me. He's got Jesus. He's got everything in God is yes and amen in Christ. So I want him to come and run with me. And I think that's a key to intergenerational ministry is we keep waiting to give something over after we're done. No, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, Jesus good. actually empowered some young folk that were barely younger. I mean, they were just, they were in their 20s. Yeah. And he empowers them and tells them, I will be with you even until the end of the age. And it says, I love what Mark 16, the very last verse says, they went out preaching and teaching, casting out devils, healing the sick. And it says this, and Jesus went with them. And I think many times we've got to not just train the next generation. We have to go with them. We have to do it. We have to labor and become friends. I want to be best friends with my sons all my days. Hopefully, I'll be alive long enough to where my grandchildren will become friends and we can partner and dream together. But anyway, those are some things. I just wanted to to mention one thing, Alan, because it's so important. Obviously, you know, Alan, I think all three of us on this podcast, we have a heart for family. I just don't think it's okay to sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. I don't think that's what's in the Lord's heart. I think I think the revival that's coming is a multi-generational family revival. I mean, this whole thing started with family and it that was always the Lord's intention, you know, and I just think, you know, David when he brings the ark into the middle of the city, you know, because he understands that that we're not going to be successful unless the presence of God is at the center of everything we're doing. And then, of course, on the along the way, the, the ark ends up in the home of Obed-Edom, and the Bible says everything in his home was blessed. And I read that, and I, I just feel like it was almost a divine detour. It was almost the Lord saying, before I can revive a city or a nation, I want to bring revival to the home. I want husbands and wives and sons and daughters uh, gathering around the presence of Jesus. And so that, yes, as you go out and do things and and pursue ministry and all the things the Lord's going to call us to do, but we do it together around the yeah. presence. And uh, and I think that was so what was so special about David, because he had this dream to build God a house. And right. the Lord tells him, David, I'm actually not going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through your son. And Alan, that's the question I heard you say that the Lord was asking you. And so David's faced with what I believe was one of the most important decisions of his whole life. And that is, am I going to let my dreams die with me or am I going to pass the baton of revival to the next generation and run alongside God's purposes? Because God's not the, the God of one generation. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so of course, we know David stands Solomon up and en- encourages him and says, follow sure. Jesus with your heart. And he essentially gives him the blueprints and said, hey, son, my yeah. dreams are going to become your destiny. And, uh, right. and, and, and I, Alan, I just wanted to say, like, there's such a connection between you saying no to really important ministry things so you could say yes to your sons and the reality of now your sons are going to do ministry with you. 
It's I just feel that. I feel like you chose their heart when it mattered the most, and now they're choosing your heart and your dreams, and they're going to partner with you. And I just, it's so special and honestly, so rare. It's so rare mm. that someone of your caliber and ministry has that core value for family. And so anyways, Matthew, I, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I just wanted to honor that because it's so special. Yeah. And, you know, I, even Isaiah 42, it, it's the Old Testament version of, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It says of Jesus, the father says, behold, the servant, my elect one, my chosen one in whom all my soul delights. Mm. And then it goes on to explain how Jesus is going to enter into the father's delight of bringing justice to the nations. Now that's a hard task. <laughs> that means you're going to confront every wicked government and person and demon and get rid of them. That's the highest warfare. The Lord spoke to me early on and said, if you will give your delight to your sons, your family, they will embrace your delights. If you will shower them with delight, they will actually embrace your delights. So if you want to shape their values, you want to shape their heart longings, shower them with delight, and they'll give you permission to shape your delights. In fact, you said that, but the reason why my sons and I are in ministry together is they got jealous for my calling, and they kicked me in the rump and had me start a 501c3 and began to build an online platform and to church plant, and it's like, uh, okay. Uh, uh, and so I, I think there's, anyway, there's a lot we could say, Matthew, you direct us, but I will say this, this family thing is so key. God gave the dominion mandate to a family, subdue the earth and multiply to a family and the evil one hates it. And he works overtime at separating marriages and separating children from their parents Yes, And so he knows that's where the power is. Blessed is the man who has many sons. He will contend with the enemies in the gate. And we watch in the New Testament, Jesus and Mary fight for their family. Mary, it says very clearly in the Gospel of John that Jesus's brothers did not believe him. And yet Mary is grabbing the brothers, constantly bringing them, trying to get them and then after the resurrection, two things happen. Jesus appears to James and says, I'm not going on without you. You need to get in here. And by Acts 15, he's leading the whole thing. And you go, where did he come from? You know, where did he, well, who is this guy in Acts 15? But James, who's called camel knees, who will pray to his brother more than anyone else and get big calluses on his knees, when he writes his letter, he won't even say he's the brother of Jesus. He'll say he's the slave of his older brother. And in the upper room, Mary is standing in the upper room with the brothers and sisters of Jesus, leading them into the next move of the Holy Spirit together as a family. And I go, okay, Jesus, if you did that for your family, yeah. you got to do it for mine. Come on. Yes. You did it for your, you set the precedence that as a man, God would not allow his family to miss it. Then you can't let my family miss it. Come on. And that becomes my intercessory prayer. You did it for yours. You show no partiality to men. Do it for mine. And if you're that serious that even you went after your unbelieving brothers, then go after my unbelieving sons. Come on. My unbelieving parents, my unbelieving brothers sisters, dot, dot, dot. Anyway, so Jesus is serious about families. Yeah. And we don't teach that a lot. So therefore, people are confused about whether Jesus wants their children saved. Like, this is crazy to me. Like, in this, and then you add into that a weird sovereignty where God's already determined and people get frozen about whether, oh, I'll say this way, they pray for their kids, but without confidence. My kids are going to know Jesus. I had no, I had no doubt from the moment they were born conceived, if he brought them forth, he's going to pursue them. Even if he has to pursue one of my sons or two of them, like he did James <laughs> and get hold of them. 
And so I think we need to give moms and dads confidence yes. that God wants their families brought into the kingdom and in the move of the spirit. Yeah. So good. Wow. So much we could we could hop on around this topic. Just quick comment. I was on a sabbatical last fall and uh, spent a couple nights in Moravian Falls at a cabin just having a personal retreat. And the first night I was there, I woke up in the early morning hours and I just heard so clearly Psalm 127. Yeah. That's all I heard, Psalm 127. And I think you quoted it, Alan, about children yeah. being our heritage. And That's right. blessed is the one who has a quiver full of them and they will sit with your enemies at the gate. And so the, this is something that I believe is is very important to the Lord. I think it's central to how he uh, builds his kingdom and advances his purposes into the earth. As you guys are talking, you're you're sort of going back and forth between your your natural family, your sons and daughters. I have four amazing children. You guys have some children. Not everybody listening is going to have children. They're not going to be parents. So I'm just wondering, how do you think about those things, Alan? When you're thinking about your you know your natural sons that you have, but also I know you're a spiritual father to a lot of people as well. How how do those things relate in your mind? Well, a couple of quick things, and then Jeremy can answer. I think, number one, I want to speak to single people because they feel left out of the family, the father, mother thing. And I want to say very clearly to them, the greatest father who ever walked the earth was a single man named Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, Isaiah chapter 9 says very clearly, verses 6 and 7, that he is everlasting father. Jesus didn't act like a father. He was a father. And he clearly communicated the Father's heart. And as a single man or single woman, you can communicate God's love and father and mother through your life. I want to just say that you don't have to wait. Good. Just start doing it now. God will move through you and do that. And so clearly to the singles. And then as far as we're living in a time of great abandonment and division and destroyed homes, we don't have the luxury of just keeping it to us four and no more. You know, we, we've got to begin to get that spirit of adoption into our hearts, that spirit and the power of Elijah. I'll say it this way, because we say that spirit and power of Elijah, but what does that really mean? It It's the operation of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to bring people into families to restore families, to bring forth families, to turn fathers to children, children to fathers, and to restore those relationships. It's a restorative ministry. Well, you know, that operation of the Spirit, a big sign of the operation of that Spirit before the coming of the day of the Lord is going to be turning the hearts of fathers and mothers and churches to children that aren't even their own. Yeah, We see that right now in the church with adoption. Probably the largest movement of taking children into their homes is happening right now. The spirit of adoption that's moving, you know, and then as far as beginning to love on other children and bring them in and make them part of the family, I think that's what we have to do. We we don't have a lecture anymore. There's not enough fathers to go around. You're natural. We've got to just do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would just say this, Matthew, that, you know, I remember being younger and I had an amazing earthly father, uh, just so grateful for that. But I do remember younger, just just praying like, God, I, w- I want I need a spiritual father, you know, because there's probably many people listening to this podcast that are going, I don't have uh, access to an Allen Hood or, or whoever. And, and I just remember praying that like, God, I, I know to become who you wanted me to become. I just need spiritual mothers and fathers in my life. And I'll just never forget the Lord saying, you know, Jeremy, you need to be the father that you would want. And, That's right. and so I want to encourage you yes. like it, cause I know there's people that j- they just long for family. They long for mothers and fathers and, and the Lord will do that. But what I would encourage you to do is just start being the mother or father that you want and that's really that spirit of Elijah. That's that turning of the heart. And so now, you know, with with Revive School and, I mean, even just a few days ago in the prayer room, we just start praying and contending for the next generation saying, we believe in you. 
You're going to get Gen Z. You're going to go further than we ever dream possible. We're here serving you and lifting you up and championing your calling. And there's so it's amazing how just even being the father that you would want just fulfills that place in your heart that may be void from maybe lack of a natural father or even a spiritual father. And so I just want to encourage people. You don't need the perfect uh, spiritual mother or father to start being it because you have Good. the perfect father and he will teach yeah. you and guide you. He Romans 8, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, that spirit of adoption. And here's why it matters, because the earth right now is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. The earth isn't groaning for better Christians, better churches, better organizations. It's groaning for people that are walking in their kingdom identity, which was the foundation of Jesus' ministry. You know, before he does one miracle, before he walks on water, before he does anything spectacular, he gets baptized. And what happens? The heavens open up and the voice of the Father comes thundering down from heaven and says, You haven't done anything supernatural yet, but you are my son, and I'm well pleased with you. And that was the foundation that launched Jesus into his ministry, and that's what Gen Z needs. They need mothers and fathers saying, we're we're proud of you. We're for you. That's right. That is so good, Jeremy. It's really, I can say for my own life, I received so much revelation of who I am as a son before him when I became a dad. The healing really took place as I became a dad because then I experienced what the father really felt about me as I felt it about my children. And that's really true. A lot of us wait around, just kind of wait around to be healed up before we start fathering or mothering. That That is just excellent. Excellent. So good. Alan, earlier you mentioned that there were two things that we tend to miss. One you said is identifying sons and daughters. The second was when that transition happens, when sons and daughters become our brothers and sisters and we walk side by side with them in the Lord. I'm just wondering if people want to begin to do what Jeremy is talking about and begin to be fathers and mothers, even in our 20s and 30s, that we can begin to look at the next generation and begin to love them and care for them. How do we identify that? Because it's a little bit of a weird thing for, for somebody that's never been a natural father or mother. How do you begin to do that in a practical way? Attention, pastors and ministry leaders. We want to invite you to an ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, Utah, July 26th through the 28th. This ATD Leadership Summit is for leaders from across America that carry a shared value of hosting the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer and gospel proclamation. Our Awaken the Dawn team will be hosting the event, including David Bradshaw, Matthew Lilly, and David Valier. When you join us for this summit, you will experience real and refreshing connection with like-hearted leaders in an informal, fun, and relational environment, including four free meals together. Teaching and training sessions catered to pioneering presence-centered ministry leaders, spirit-filled and life-giving times of worship, prophetic ministry, and prayer to refresh your heart, interactive breakout sessions and workshops to dialogue about practical ministry challenges, and a regional worship and prayer gathering the weekend after the summit. To learn more and register, go to awakenthedawn.com today. Again, join us for the ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, July 26th through the 28th. Register now at awakenthedawn.com. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah, I, I think I think you begin to turn back and you you reach out to those who are younger than you and begin to invest in them and just serve them. Begin to love them, just serve them, open up the word with them, do Bible studies, go to fight them to prayer meetings, da, da, da. But we also, as a church, we have to do a better job of telling our sons their fathers now. And what I mean by that is nobody had to tell me when I became a dad. Yeah. I mean, my my wife gave birth to that son, and guess what? <laughs> I didn't get to vote. I didn't get to I'm a dad. 
And that rite of passage in the natural happens and it helps the son grow up. But in the spirit, we don't do a good job of looking at our spiritual sons and daughters and going, you're grown up, do Mm. it. And we have to do that. We have to literally look at that young man, that young woman, and look at them and go, you got the stuff, do it. It's time. Quit looking for all the holes in your heart to be filled. You have all the holes that need to be filled right now are filled by the Holy Spirit. And you need to begin. You need to know you're a father in this movement. You're a mother in this movement. We need you to step into who you are and to pronounce that and then make room for them, Hmm. you know, and call them forth and give them, let them set their hands to the task. I've seen Jeremy do that with these ones that go through revive school time and time again. I'm thinking of Lexi and just Chris. I mean, I'm thinking of the ones that went through your school and then you turned around and looked at them and about halfway through the school you went, you do know you're on staff next time (laughs) and this is what you're going to do and this is what you're going to do and you're a father and mother in this movement. Mm -hmm. So we've got to help identify and then help and identify they're going through the rite of passage. You're this and we need you to step into this. And so because of the breakdown of the church, we've not seen that. And it really does help to tell the next generation, it's time to be the mom and dad in the movement. I knew this intellectually. Like I knew that I I had never experienced, like when Alan came to Fredericksburg, I just remember him on his first day. And, and I, I, like, I didn't know him that well. and, And I just remember him sitting down going, how can I serve? What can I do? Tell me what to teach. Tell me when, just what do you want me to do? And I'm, I'm like, in my heart, I'm just going, I have no paradigm for this. I have no paradigm for somebody that is so gifted and amazing and has a great reputation that just literally just comes in and says, how can I serve? What can I do? And it affected me to the point where I knew that had to become a deeper part of my ministry and how I would serve the next generation. And, and it just, it affects you when you're going, really? Like you don't, you just come in to serve? That's it? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's bad, but you're almost looking for like, there's got to be something else. And Alan's like, no, nah, tell me what to do. Tell me what, tell me where to come, what to be. And I just, I was blown away by that. And so now that's such a part of, you know, this weekend we got a send conference coming up and Chris and Lexi are running the whole thing. It's like, you are empowered. Just go. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I might be, I don't know. I might be uh, selling merch or cleaning bathrooms. I don't know. But literally we're just like, you guys roll and they're calling Gen Z to come worship Jesus, look at Jesus. And so anyways, I just wanted to say it's so rare, but it's so important and it affects the next generation when you just show up and go, how can I serve? And they're they're not they're not even going to know what to do with that because they're they've never experienced that before. It's always the I'm serving you to get something, or you know, in in a culture that's so obsessed with influence, it's like they're just not used to that. And so I just want to encourage our our audience, our viewers, like literally, don't make this harder than it is. Just serve right. the next generation. It's just that easy. Yes. Empower them, love them, bless them, serve them. And it will, uh, it will be that spirit of Elijah. That's right. So we've, taught, we've taught people how to father visions, not how to father families. Yeah, it's true. You know, if you father a mm. vision, you meet with the next person and you tell them what part of the vision they can fulfill to make your ministry get bigger. But if you father a family, you get with Chris and Lexi and go, what's in your heart? Yeah, it's good. What's in your heart? Because you do that with your children. You go, what's in your heart? Help me make it big. Help me make it impactful. Let me help you be successful. Yes. And But we don't transition what we normally do in families that's so easy to like the church. It's like there's some mystery. We got to have some kind of program. Like, no, like, like hear their heart, <laughs> get behind them. And that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, in leadership. And and Matthew, I just want to say before we go on, I watched you like you might not have thought I was watching you. I was watching you the whole time because you are one of the most humble servants 
that does your job and does more than your job and just you're you're like you're like the all pro tackle that's true that everybody everybody doesn't know you don't even know about the tackle as long as he's on the field that's right you don't know you just know that Aaron Rodgers keeps scoring touchdowns but the moment that tackle that left tackle goes out of the game yeah and that offense is stopped suddenly everybody knows who the left tackle is yeah you're like that you have such a humble heart of service and love. You're moving that ball down. And whether anybody else knows it, I want to let you know Jesus knows it. He watches. And that makes every position valuable as the family. You're, it just brings us together. Mm-hmm. And we need to begin the, probably the Thank hardest you. part. I just want to say that because I haven't ever been able to say that to you. I left before I got to say that. And you are so crucial to the family, the ATD family, but even bigger than that. Mm-hmm. But but I wanted Thank to you. say this. Part of the thing that hurt my leadership probably the most, but was the most crucial, I think, before God, was everyone that worked for me finding out what they wanted to do and empowering them to be able to do that even as they served the vision. And then... Almost always, I came to a fork in the road. Yeah. Will I get behind them to do what's in their heart, or will I keep bringing them back in so that what I need to do for the vision to be fulfilled? Mm. And at each time, if I would get behind and empower them to do what's in their heart, there would be a temporary setback, but God would always bring the ministry forth in an exponential way. And, and I don't think we realize that. So as leaders, we're so afraid. We're gripped by fear to do the vision when really we should be building people. And you can do both. Yes. And uh, anyway, that's a different subject on leadership, but it, it's the family. Are we fathering families? <laughs> you know? It's so good. I, I'm sure you guys can relate to my experience as a natural father. First time I had a kid, it was totally frightening and totally scary, and I felt totally unprepared, had no idea. There's no manual you can read that will prepare you for being a father. There's a sense in which you do your best to, to be prepared, but then the baby comes and you've just got to figure it out. And I think there's a sense in which that's the same way in our in spiritual parenting, yeah. where I, I just feel like there's probably even going to be people that listen to this that they go, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I just want to say like, no, you're probably not fully ready, but you can start and you can have that baby and you can start to love and God will show up yeah. and he'll help you and the father will lead you. And he'll, like you said, Alan, you started to experience the father's love as a son, yeah. as you became a father. And I think it's the same way in the family of God yeah. as well, that I think there's probably some people, especially I'm thinking like millennial, 30, 40 year olds who are in that kind of middle generation and we're maybe still feeling like there's things we need. We, I want a spiritual father. I need this or I'm not ready. And I think for many that are like our age, God's probably saying, no, go ahead. It's time. Just step out into it and you don't, you're not going to feel ready, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to meet you there and I'm going to help you. And uh, I think God will meet us in that place uh, to, to do what we feel weak to do. Amen. Yeah. And I, and I, I just want to say this, Matthew, because it just keeps coming to my mind. When Alan was here, we were right as he was leaving, we were having our fourth child, Judah. And, you know, we we've had three healthy children. My wife's a labor and delivery nurse. She if if anybody knows how to deliver well, it's her. But we we got in this place where everything was going great. And then at the last second, uh, Judah flipped. Anyways, in that whole process, we were monitoring the baby and we we came to realize his his heart was slowing, beating down. And then all of a sudden in the hospital, we lost the heartbeat. And it was terrifying. It was, as you guys can imagine. And I just remember, like, one of the first people I texted was Alan. And I said, because <laughs> I, I know that praying thing, like, just, he, I knew he would drop everything and contend and, and pray for the breakthrough. And so I texted him and said, the baby's heart just stopped beating. I need you to pray. That's all I had time to get out. And it was the longest, I don't know, five, 10 minutes of my life. They just took Erica out. They didn't say anything. The last thing in my mind was to 
the, the baby's not, the baby's heart stopped. They said I couldn't even go back to the room. And so anyways, I, I just start contending and praying in the spirit. But something about knowing Alan was praying and the team was praying, it just gave me the strength I needed to not lose hope. And I just remember just praying in the spirit in the hospital hallways. I didn't care what anybody thought you guys know. And when, when your child needs oh, you, you just don't yeah. care. And, uh, and so anyways, oh, yeah. and then I, then they, they, they couldn't get Judah out. The vacuum kept popping off and it was just, it was, they finally get him out and he, he comes out and he's lifeless. And, uh, I remember them putting him on the table and all of a sudden like 10, it felt like a year, but it was probably 10 seconds. All of a sudden he lets out a cry and it was the best sound I've ever heard in my life. Um, and anyways, I, I'm saying that because I think prophetically that the Lord keeps reminding me of that story. I think prophetically that's what's happening right now. I think that Gen Z is the baby. Gen Alpha is the baby that that the enemy is after their life. They're after their identity. They're after the calling on them. And we need mothers and fathers to contend and intercede for the delivery, the birth of the next generation that I think is a revival generation. And so Come on. anybody can do that. Anybody, anybody yes. listening right now, let's start to contend right. and turn our hearts and, and like we would for our own child, for Judah. Uh, let's contend that God would birth what he's wanting to birth in this next generation. That's right. You know, Ian Bounds said something powerful. He said, he said, blessed is the generation whose bowls are filled mm. from the prayers of the moms and dads. Blessed is the generation whose bowls are filled because of the prayers of the moms and dads. And then he goes, and woe to the generation mm. whose bowls are empty because their mothers and fathers were prayerless. Mm. For that generation will experience, and he goes on this list of calamities, and you're like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And then he says this. He says, there's only one thing that lives beyond us after we die, our prayers. Yeah. He says, our words remain around the throne of grace forever. So blessed is the generation whose moms and dads have left them the wealth of their prayers. I think right now, you know, celebrity Christianity has really we've lost my generation of fathers and moms because they've been so negatively impacted by that celebrity man or woman of God thing. Mm. They just lived underneath that and went, if this is what it is, I'm done. And so we have this vacuum of mother and fathers. You know what I mean? We have this vacuum of it. And we've almost need my generation right now to go forget about not forget about our callings, but see our callings as the greatest thing we could do is begin to cry out mm. for a move of God among our sons and daughters and among Gen Z, Gen A, Gen, all the gens, <laughs> you know, millennials right. to see a move of the Holy Spirit come forth for them. Come on. My fear is without it, we already know there's not enough charisma and talent that's going to bail us out of the global crisis that's coming. Yeah. Just not. That's so true. Well, on that note of, of the power of prayer as we're coming here to an end, Alan, would you just pray a prayer over anybody that's tuning in and, and just sort of into this topic that we've been talking about, yes. mothering and fathering and the generations coming together? Yeah, absolutely. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you. Father of glory. Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father of light. Father of power and of love, Father of every good gift. Father, Father, we bless you. We thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. We thank you for all that Jesus has done. We thank you for all that your spirit is doing. And so, Father, we ask you that you would send the spirit of Elijah. You said you would send the prophet of Elijah. I just feel led to say this, even as I'm praying at Matthew, that, that Malachi 4 isn't that he's going to send the spirit of Elijah. It says he will send the prophet Elijah, which means he wants the spirit of Elijah 
fleshed out in our lives. He's not sending a spirit. He's sending people who are filled with the spirit of Elijah. So, Father, I ask for the prophet Elijah to come before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And I ask that you would turn the hearts of fathers and mothers to the children and the hearts of children to the mothers and fathers. Father, send forth the operation of the Holy Spirit before the last days, before the last days, and that many sons and daughters would prophesy and that you would bring forth your highest purposes. Lord, I ask that right now for an unusual anointing for leaders to father families, that you would bring forth the family of Christ, the family of God, the family in which the whole family under heaven and earth is named. Father, do it for your glory and our good. Save us from ourselves. Father, I ask that you would put the death blow to celebrity Christianity and you would bring forth that John 17, 21 unity, that Ephesians 4, fivefold ministry that would bring us into the fullness of the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Father, would you bring forth an hour for your family, the very family of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to emerge on the earth and do everything that's needed. Father, from this perspective, we we go, do whatever you got to do, break in. And we do cry out today, Father, even on a smaller scale for our own families. Lord, I lift up every believing marriage, every believing home, Lord, and that you would send fire on the altar of it. I pray that you would save every wayward child. Every, I join my prayers to every prayer of every mom and dad today. And I ask God for you to save our children. I ask you to see our children a long way off and run to them and bring them to their senses and restore them, kiss them on their neck, put the slippers on their feet, the robe on their back, the ring on their finger, kill the fatted calf. Lord, we ask for a move of restoration among families in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. So good. <laughs> guys, oh, this good has to been be amazing. With you guys. I know we could keep praying and we could keep talking. Hey, um, Alan, I just before we before we end the recording, I know you're kind of in prayer mode now, but I would just love yeah. to hear what you're up to. If you don't mind just sharing a minute here at the end for people. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people know you from your years at IHOP in Kansas City. Right. Uh, but would love to just kind of know what you've been up to in, in recent years and maybe how people can stay connected yeah, with you. Yeah, that's easy. I'm, um, you know what? After 20 years with IHOP and associate director and leading the university and the, the church, the, the Lord said, leave it all and launch out to the deep and trust me. And out of that has come really a ministry called Excellencies of Christ. And really all that is, it's a discipleship ministry. We want to disciple the nations through teaching. We have an online platform called Allen Hood Online. You can go to allenhoodonline.com. What we try to do is take rich theology and then use it to train people to pray. So we have intimacy, really a knowing God series, intimacy with the Father, intimacy with the Son, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We have some other classes on Known by God, which is Psalm 139. We're going to continue those, but really the emphasis is how do we believe that God is a person and take what the Bible says about him and learn how to pray, learn how to have that flaming heart. I think the church is in a great crisis right now, and it's called a cold heart. We don't believe he's a person. We think he's like an AI, an algorithm in the sky or a mean judge. We, we don't know how to talk to him. And that's where it all begins. And so the ministry, we want to disciple people into catching their hearts on fire. And then locally, we just started a work down here in Florida where we want to see, I want to see a spiritual retreat, a training center, a local church expression, and a house of prayer, you know, a, a base really that would begin to disciple the next generation of leaders. And so we just started Friday night awesome. gatherings in Fort Pierce at the Open Door House of Prayer and his family friendly. Five o'clock, we come and we eat and fellowship and play games. And at 6.30 to 7, we transition and go after presence worship and they give a teaching and follow the Spirit and minister to people. And you know, it's so much fun. There's more kids out there than there is adults. It, it's a blast. 
And I thought, why have we lived and settled for anything else? That's amazing. Than to really join together. Because what's missing is, I want to help raise your kids. I want Matthew and Jeremy to help raise my kids. And we don't put our families in that position to do that with one another. So anyway, you can go to allenhood.com. I'm still a missionary. I raise all my support. And then I consult Mm. and travel places. But, you know, that's what I'm doing. Discipling translocally, discipling locally, and being a part of Matthew 28 to disciple the nations, teaching them everything he said and did and to observe it. So that's it. Come on. That's good. Hey, are you going to write some books sometime? You know what? Pray for me. I just signed up. I'm just, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> the secret's you know, out. I, all, I heard it right here. <laughs> yeah, all my classes, you know, Mike Bickle just, yeah, he's on my back about writing books, but I, all my yeah. classes have books that are really 99% done. You know, I just I just had a class yeah. on Jesus' preexistence in his life. I think my notes are like 300 pages. You know, the yeah. the notes on Jesus, his cross, his suffering and glory, cross, resurrection, ascension, I think it's like 300 and some pages. I just need to do it. Yeah. The, the problem is I get caught up like you do in real people every day, and real people just seem more, right. way more exciting. I need you to lay hands on me, Matthew. You've written your book. I need that (laughs) discipline. Yeah, his his knowing God courses are the best. Knowing the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He taught some of them live here in Fredericksburg when he was here. People every day are saying, this this class touched me. It was one of my favorite, probably my favorite live course I've ever taken in my life. Everybody, every school, every church should be doing these classes. So I just I just want to say that. I think well, if I can boil a large part of my calling down, it's the Lord has called me to help convince people he's real. He's a real person and to know how to talk to him and connect with him and get your heart on fire. Cuz that's the greatest tragedy in the church is he's there and people don't know him. <laughs> I can't imagine it. <laughs> but anyway, Bless you, Matthew. Bless you, Jeremy. Love you guys. Well, that's great. We will uh, we'll link in the show notes to all of Alan Hood's stuff. We'll link to Revive School, so people that want to go to Fredericksburg, young adults or leaders that want to send some young adults to Fredericksburg to the school there with Jeremy can connect. That would be amazing. Guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast Thanks, today. Matthew. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We would love for you to hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're using so that you can continue to get episodes like this every month. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor and please share it with your friends and post it on social media. Be sure to tag Awaken the Dawn in your post so that we can reshare that with all of our friends as well. If you're tuning in on Apple, please leave us a rating or review. And if you're on YouTube, give us that thumbs up like button and leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of today's episode. And we really appreciate it. Finally, please visit our website at awakenthedawn.com. You can find out more about our ministry and movement, and you can also make a donation to help support this podcast and the Awaken the Dawn ministry. Thank you again for tuning in today. And don't forget, Jesus changes everything.